chapter number two, and um, we're going to be looking at uh, verses uh, eight through ten. And these are um, some pretty familiar uh, verses that I think we've all kind of known, been encountered with, um, so forth and so on. Um, it's verses that we sometimes use when we might be talking to somebody who does not know the Lord, that they might be relying upon their good works for salvation. Um, but when you put it within the context of Ephesians, I understand we can use those verses to describe that salvation is not of us, but I think that there's another meaning there uh, for us as Christians, as believers, to know who we are in Christ. And as we've been looking here in Ephesians, um, we can clearly see that, that God is the source of our entire salvation. Everything stems from him. There's nothing that we, that we contribute to our salvation. Uh, there's nothing that we, that we can say, well, I've added this to my salvation or I've given this part uh, to my salvation. Uh, God is the source of all of that. Uh, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He chose us before the foundation of the world, as Ephesians 1 says. He lavishly pours out uh, grace that has been given to us. He bestows upon us this inheritance that's eternal, that is powerful and glorious. Um, and we've seen just in that in chapter one like what God has done for us and then in chapter two we saw but you were dead in trespasses and sins and then that wonderful verse in verse four but God who is rich in mercy um, has raised us from the dead um, he's given us a new life in Christ and so we were that way but now God has worked this, this amazing salvation in us and has given us something that we can rely upon and we can depend upon and we can walk in and we can uh, uh, live our life in. And we come here to verses 8 through 10. And these verses, I think, really give us some understanding of who we are in Christ. Um, Let's read these verses here, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Look what it says. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now this is sometimes where we like to stop. But verse 10 goes along with those other two verses. Look what he says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's apparent from these verses that we can see that God is the source of our entire salvation. And if you look at some of these things that, that, that Paul says here, he talks about that it's for by grace. It's grace and it's through faith. Those are the two main ingredients that are there for our salvation. And he says, it's not of yourselves. What is not of yourselves? It's the grace that's not of yourselves. It's the faith that's not of yourselves. It is completely a work of God. 
You realize that we are walking, living miracles? Sometimes you hear about uh, children that, that might be born prematurely or they might have had a lot of uh, uh, complications in the hospital when they were first born. And, and as they get older, their parents say, oh, the, the, he was our baby miracle or she's our baby miracle. You know, I mean, you, you think about that, but do you realize that we are all, those of us that know Christ, we are all miracles because we're walking and we're alive because we were dead and we're walking and we're alive. And so the Bible tells us here, it's not a result of work so that no one may boast. And so God is the source of our entire salvation. I want to just show you a couple things about this. I think this will be helpful to you as a believer in Christ because to knowing who we are in Christ, knowing who we are and, and what Christ has done in our life and how he's working in our life, this should help us live and what he says here, we should be able to walk our manner of life, how we live our life as believers. So let's take note here, just a couple things. Number one, I want you to notice this. Number one, salvation is by grace. Salvation is by grace. Listen again what he says, verses eight and nine. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Our salvation in Christ is marked by grace. Grace is the undeserved kindness of God. Grace is the extension of goodness to those who in no way ought to receive it. What should we be receiving? Well, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 tells us that we were by nature children of wrath. That's what we should be receiving is the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon our lives. But yet God extends his grace, his unmerited favor to people. And so see, until we understand our utterly wayward and corrupt nature that what we used to be, Ephesians 1 through 3, we were following the devil, we were following the course of this world, uh, we were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, until we understand how corrupt and vile and horrible people that we really were, grace really doesn't mean anything. When we were when we were uh, uh, arrested, when we were when we were uh, awakened to the reality that that who we were, what we were, and that God's grace was extending to us, then it became something that was amazing and wonderful and glorious. Because now salvation is being offered to me, who was once on the road to hell, once in the in the pit of destruction, as as uh, the psalmist says that his his feet was in the miry clay, and God has raised us up into new life. And so grace is marked in our salvation, and we see ourselves that we were totally unfit for God's kingdom. And God extended his grace towards us. Here's another thing. Look what he says here. It says, faith. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is essential to our salvation. It's through faith that we're able to 
have salvation. And this is what is so amazing about God's gift. It's not of you. In other words, it's not of your faith. God gives you the faith in order to believe in him. It's nothing that we contribute on our own. Because without faith, there is no salvation. We were dead. We didn't contribute anything. And he awakened us to that need, that spiritual need that we have in Christ. And he enabled us to see what we never saw before. Faith is something God gives us to the new life so that we can live the new life, so that we can be made alive. You think about a dead man. A dead man can't do anything. He can't walk, he can't talk. All he can do there is be dead. That's it. That's my joke for today, by the way. You like that, Tom? No. no. And so we, that were in Christ, before Christ, we were dead. There was nothing that we could contribute. And that's what makes salvation so amazing is that God extends this grace. God extends this faith to us. And it's not a result of our works. It's not a result. Salvation is not a result of ourselves. You know, if grace is grace, then it's because we don't deserve his kindness. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If there was something that you and I could contribute to our salvation, then it wouldn't be grace. A side benefit from this is that we do not need to impress God. Of course, there's no way that you could ever impress God anyways. What do you have to offer God? What? I mean, think about the best that you may have. What do you have to offer God? There's nothing. The clock's off, by the way. We have nothing to offer God. And so salvation is a complete gift from him of grace. It's extended to us. And so we know that God is the source of our entire salvation because why? Look what he says, so that no one may boast. So we can't bring anything, God. We don't offer him anything. God extends his grace to us, his kindness towards us. He extends believing faith to us. And when we believe and we receive Christ as our savior, none of us can boast because it's all of him. And so through all of this, this is what I want you to see how verse 10 ties into this. Because through all of this, God has laid a spiritual foundation for us who know Christ. He's setting up a framework by which the great glories of God would be ever adorned without the tarnish of our own pride or our own boasting. You know, around here in Goshen, they're doing a lot of building right now. A lot of building. A lot of homes going up and apartments going up. And one of the things that you may see that happens when they first begin to build a building is instead of going up, they go down first. And they dig down deep into the ground. And they lay a solid foundation. And it's through that solid foundation of which they can build upon now so that that 
found so that that building, that structure can withstand things that go on throughout the day, throughout the years. In the same way, God has dug deep, deep, and he's laid a solid foundation of grace in our lives. And then he begins to build. He begins to construct. He begins to create. And he begins to make. You see, in Christ's death, we see the utter condemnation that we deserved that was placed upon Christ. And if we were to deserve what, was, what, we, what we should have had, what should have been coming to us, it would have been nothing but severe judgment. And we could not bring anything to him. The only thing that we could do was to cry out for salvation. And when we cried out for salvation, God began to dig and to build. He began to construct something in your life, grace. He began to do something, a glorious work in your life, a work of grace. And so by thinking that somehow we can contribute to what God is doing here, by thinking that somehow we can give something to, to our salvation, it stains, it leaves a dark stain upon God's purpose for our life. And that's why we as believers in Christ we need to make sure that when we are talking about Christ and we are exalting Christ, that it's, it's all about him, it's not about us. Because God is the one who's laid the foundation for our salvation. And so knowing this about our salvation, this helps us now move into verse number 10. And so let's look at verse number 10 here. Look what he says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. So when Christ saved us, we now are made alive. And what does he do? We've been spiritually awakened and we have this new life in Christ. But unfortunately, what we tend to do, I tend to do, is that I make my Christian life complicated now. Instead of living in a life of grace, I now have, have muddied the waters and try to somehow live the Christian life apart from grace. And listen to what he says again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When you think about workmanship, you think about ownership, something that somebody owns, something that somebody made. Now, I have several different things here. This here, this is a solid chunk of wood that's been made, it's been crafted, it's been created to make look like a boat. Now, from what I can see here, there's still pencil drawings on here, so it's not done yet. It's in the process of being worked on. There's workmanship that's going on here. It looks like somebody is putting some stain on the side here and it's kind of spilled over onto the, onto the top part there. That tells me somebody's been working on this. It's not completely finished. But there's a work, there's a process that's going on with this right here. I have here, this is a, uh, a clay pot from, uh, from New Mexico. 
Uh, it's from Acoma, New Mexico. This was made by a skilled artist. Somebody took the time, took the clay, molded it, shaped it, smoothed it, decorated it, fired it, painted it. There's been a lot of workmanship that has gone into this. I have a clock there. Now, this clock here, uh, from what I can see, it's pretty old. Um, Tom told me that this was the new model that came out when he was young. <laughs> Before that, he had a sundial on his, for a wristwatch. Um, but that, that clock there, somebody put that together. There's craftsmanship that has been put together there. It's, it's been made, it's been crafted. And the Bible tells us, it says, for we are his workmanship. Now, when we see all these things, we can look at it and we can say, well, yeah, somebody's been working. Somebody's been doing some things. But look what he says here. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What does his workmanship look like? What does God's handiwork look like? What defines his workmanship? How can you identify that it's his? You know, on the bottom of this pot here, it has a signature. This identifies the person who made this. There might be people that, that collect certain types of pottery and they, they're able to tell, say, well, you know, I, I know that that uh, was made in the such and such age and this was this because we can always tell because of the certain markings there is a craftsmanship that has gone into this. Here, this uh, boat here, this is supposed to be used as a model that's going to be used as a thing when somebody begins to build these boats. And that's Tim's boat. He's working on that. He's crafting it. He's making it as a model for future models. And so when people see that boat, they say, hey, that's uh, one of uh, Tim's craftsmanship boats. Because there's workmanship that's been signed to it. And so God's word says here, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now look what it says here. Workmanship and created. I love that. Do we create or do we make? We make. God is the only one that can create. He is able to take nothing and make something. He's the only one. And when we apply this to the act of, for by grace are you saved through faith, here we are spiritually dead, nothing, zero, nothing. And God is able to take that and he's able to create and he's able to fashion, he's able to mold his workmanship. Now look at this next part because this is very important. He says that we are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand. Now Paul is very straightforward here in this passage. He's very, I mean, he's just getting right to the point. 
And he says, if we are saved, then we are saved to live out good works. Paul is telling us here what it means to be raised up together with Christ, that we've been created in his workmanship, that we are to be saved to live out good works. And so Christ lives through our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is he doing? Well, he's empowering us to live out these good works. Now, this is a very important question. What are good works? What are they? Are good works the things that we do here on Sunday? Are the things that we are supposed to be doing, being kind and being nice and helping people out, are those good works? Yeah, those are good works. But did God save us just so we could go to church on Sunday? Is that, is that the purpose of the good works? See, sometimes I think we confuse good works with an expression of our faith. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we ought to be expressing our faith. We ought to be helping the poor. We ought to be helping those that are in need. We ought to be praying for the sick. We ought to be telling people about Jesus. Those are all good things. But this is where it gets me. He says, which God prepared beforehand. Hmm. Hmm. What does that mean? That God has prepared works for us beforehand. Remember Ephesians chapter 1? It says before the foundation of the world, God did what? He chose us to do what? To be holy and blameless before him? So what are these good works? Is there more to our salvation in Christ Jesus than just mere expressions of our faith? Being nice, being kind, going to church. Because you know what? Lost people do all those things. So what are these good works then? Literally what God is saying here, this thing which God prepared beforehand, he is saying that God prepared in advance so that we might walk in them. In other words, this good works here that he says in verse 10 are not necessarily religious activities, that are scattered throughout our lives, but rather these good works should be encompassing all of our life. It should be the fabric and the makeup of who we are. And so when I look at a pot like this, I can see that there's been some handiwork that has been done. There's been some fashioning. There's been some, some preparation. Somebody had to plan this out. Somebody had a, had a thought in their mind and say, I'm going to make a pot that's going to look like this. And there's been some fashioning that's been there. Let's turn over, uh, listen to this, what Psalm 139 verse 16 says. He says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. This is our creator God who is fashioning and molding us. And he says that every day of my life, your life 
was recorded in his book. He says that every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. So God has prepared our days from the foundation of the world. He's got everything recorded. He's got everything laid out exactly how he wants it to look. Everything. And so when we think about this, when we think about these works, these good works that are in our lives... They can just possibly just be mere expressions of our faith. But rather, you know what they are? They're the trials. They're the difficulties. They're the good times and the bad times. They're the times of weeping and they're the times of joy. They're the times of great distress and sorrow. And yet they're the times where we are just overflowing with, with joyous praise to our God. These are the good works that God has, has fashioned and prepared for us so that what? We would walk in them. And so it's through these circumstances in life that when I walk by faith with Christ, what does it do for me? That I recognize God's design in everything that God has brought into my life. And it's to make me more like him. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 39, really gives us a good description of this. He says, what can separate us from the love of God? Should, should death or should, should destruction, should, should persecution, should hardships and difficulties, are these going to separate me from the love of God? He says, no, no, no. He says, we are more than conquerors than all these things. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, laying the foundation of grace for us. So God designs works for you and me to walk in. So what is my life about? Where is it headed? What are the good works that God has, has prepared for me to walk in? Do we see the hardships and the difficulties as good works that God has prepared for me? Or do I refuse them? See, this is so important because I believe there are many believers that when they encounter difficult times or difficult trials, they don't see them as a good work of God. But rather they see them as kind of a curse or kind of a, boy, this is hard. But yet God has fashioned these things for us to walk in. So how am I supposed to endure these good works? Turn over to the book of Acts here real quick. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Look at uh, verses 22 through 23. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross. And killed him. This was a prearranged plan 
But yet the Son of God, the Son of God, knowing the prearranged plan that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to be beaten, that he was going to be mocked and spit upon, that nails were going to be driven into his hands, that he was going to hang on a cross, suffer the wrath of God and it was poured out upon him as he became sin for us. The joy that was set before him endured the cross. And he went forward to the cross. And in doing so, he secured grace for you and for me. And then by doing that, that grace now flows. It washes over us. It enables us to do the same. To endure the trials. To endure the difficulties. To endure the good works that God has preordained for you and for me. Good works that he has fashioned for you and for me to endure. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And is that not what happens in our life as believers? We become so weary of all the hardships and difficulties that come into our life. Loss of a job poor health, loss of a loved one, difficulties with our family, difficulties with our children, difficulties with other people. And we look at it, we say, oh, I can't take it, I can't take it, I'm gonna give up. And God says, no, look to the cross, look to Jesus. Because look what he did. He endured it all, and in doing so, when we look to Jesus, the Bible says, that we won't become weary and give up. So think on Christ. Think of the cross. When you are enduring hard times and difficulties, think on Christ. And in doing so, we then end up becoming his workmanship. Now this is what's so good about this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. The tool that God uses is his grace. He uses his grace in our salvation. But for some reason when we think when we're going through hard times and difficult times. We say well you know what I'm going to get through this. I can do it. No you can't. You can't do it. And if you try you're going to fail miserably. And God says, I want you to use my grace. Because why? So that no one would boast. And so our salvation, if our salvation is by grace through faith, then our Christian life then too should be by grace through faith. 
so that no one would boast. Got one little last verse here to read you and then we'll be done. Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus 